Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. We've been going through this series called Unfolding His Story and just looking at some key people in Jesus' lineage um, that we kind of commented on. And so we first started with this guy named Joshua, or Joseph, Joseph, thank you. Um, There's a lot of Josephs today. But anyway, uh, we started with this man named Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, um, and he was betrayed by one particular brother. And later in that story, that same brother comes back and uh, he's a changed person, and he comes back to Joseph, and he repents, and Joseph restores him, and restores not just Judah, which is in the line of Jesus, but restores the whole family, and sets them on a course um, that we find, uh, that then that next week, a couple year, or a couple, um, many years later, with a, a person named Ruth, sorry, I'm getting my mind, kind of nice to be back, um, Then we met a a woman named Ruth who um, was a Moabite, so she wasn't, uh, she wasn't, she was not Jewish, uh, but she married a Jewish husband, and um, the the husband and the husband's brother and the husband's father all died and left just a woman named Naomi who had come from Bethlehem, but she was now living in Moab, and she was going to return back to Bethlehem, back into Israel. And Ruth stuck with her. There was something about Naomi that Ruth saw of how Naomi were, lived after God or grieved or there was just something about Naomi in her heart that Ruth said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever your, your God's going to be my God and I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And so they go back into Bethlehem and there's this um, landowner there named Boaz, and he's a man of high character, and what he does is um, he, he becomes a kinsman redeemer. Basically, because the husband had died, the land needed to be sold, and they wanted to keep it within the family, and so Boaz, uh, through a long story, uh, it's a very romantic story, actually. Uh, Ruth actually proposes to Boaz, which is interesting, um, and there's just a lot of similarities with these characters and our relationship with God. And um, so Boaz becomes Ruth's kinsman redeemer. And in the same way, Jesus becomes our kinsman redeemer. Even though a lot of times we're the one asking, God, can we start this relationship? And God responds and redeems us. And then last week we heard about King David and David's just a pivotal character in the history of Israel. Uh, it was prophesied that the Messiah would come from the line of King David, from the family of King David. And we can see the two people we're going to focus on today, um, uh, the, the people closest to Jesus, of Joseph and Mary. And um, they both come from the line of David. And I just wanted to kind of get into their little story because what we're going to do is we're going to look at these two characters and then we're going to draw back out and see that there's some similarities into all these different stories. So, 
Um, right after the prophet Daniel came on the scene, God was silent for 400 years. Uh, didn't raise up a prophet. There wasn't uh, any supernatural signs at the temple. It was as if God was silent for 400 years. And then the angel Gabriel, as we see in Luke 1, uh, goes, comes to this woman named Elizabeth, who's related to Mary. And uh, she is old in age, and she becomes pregnant with um, a boy soon to be named John, of John the Baptist. And uh, this is where we pick up the story. But I want, I want you to catch, we're going to start with Mary first, but I just want you to catch her heart. This is about, this is all, all today is about capturing the heart of who we're going to be talking about. And so um, let's, let's start with Luke 1, verse 26. All right. Luke 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is Mary's relative, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Man, that's a pretty good promise over your kid. Mary asked the angel, how but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Imagine getting this promise. You're probably around this age. You're 13 or 14 years old. This was Mary, young, young teenager, where she's just living life in Galilee. And the Holy Spirit comes. Doesn't, it says it just, just came to her. I don't know if it was in a dream or a vision, but... The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and gives her this massive promise. You are going to birth the Son of God. And you have been chosen. Imagine the, the initial fear, which we kind of see a little bit. Since how can this, uh, what could this appearing of this angel mean? How is this going to happen? There's a lot of natural human trepidation, fear, questioning when the angel Gabriel comes and gives her this promise and trying to figure out how is this all going to become true. But it's interesting, in verse 38, Mary replies, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. This response from Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. It could have been a lot of different things. 
It caught a, it, she could have had a response like Moses had. God, I'm not worthy enough. I can't speak very well. I've got some history in my past. You can't use me, God. But Mary, this young woman, responds with this perfect response. I am, your Lord, I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you want to do, do it through me. I love Mary's heart. And we see throughout the time that, she, that, we, that we can read about her in the Gospels, there's such a tenderness to the Lord. And Mary was this woman that at times, I mean, when, when Jesus was 30, this is much later, you know, Jesus is at this wedding and Mary's like, hey, go do what he tells you to do and think this wedding's going to get a lot better. Um, she would kind of interject herself to kind of uh, assert her son's true authority, but it was in this moment where just her initial response, I am the Lord's servant. Mary was real. She was humble. And she responded immediately with agreement. Immediately there was an agreement in her heart. God, if this is you, I want in. I say yes. I'm not holding back. I'm not giving any excuses. God, I'm going to worship the living God. And later, uh, later in Luke 1, she busts into song. She, she writes this worship song to the Lord. It's a beautiful song. But her life and her heart reflected this heart that was yielded to the Lord, that was broken and contrite before the Lord, but was also faithful before the Lord. Then we have this guy named Joseph and um, Many, the, the um, translation that we have is we, of his occupation as a carpenter, but carpenters were not just uh, woodworkers. Many of the, most of the material that they work with would be stone and carving stone. And so uh, there's, Joseph was a craftsman. Now he's probably about 16 or 17 years old. <laughs> he's about 16 or 17 years old. He's kind of coming into his own. And... Um, and we'll pick up his story. Let's see how Joseph responds to all this. <laughs> all right. This is, yeah, it's always, it's always funny. Just, just wondering how men's reactions are different than women's reactions. But anyway, so we'll see. Let's see if Joseph has it. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 1 for his story here. Matthew 1, verse 19. It says, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, uh, Joseph, Mary comes and tells Joseph, this is what's happened. I'm pregnant. And here's how. Here's why. And Joseph, um, he could have done two different things. He could have divorced her publicly and denounced her as an adulteress. And she would have been forever resigned to bear just single, singlehood, um, uh, they didn't necessarily in Jewish communities resign them to like prostitution, but it was just uh, she was not going to be covered the rest of her life. She has committed an indiscretion that everybody in the town would have known would have been wouldn't have been right, and so she would have been ostracized. But Joseph chooses the second kind of way in which you can kind of break off an engagement if things aren't going well is to do it in quiet, to do it in secret. This this actually covers the person that you're you know, breaking up with is that you would do it in secret and that it wouldn't be publicly known. 
And this was a way to kind of cover her. And so he resolves, this, this isn't going to really work, and so uh, I'm going to break up with her. That's his decision. I'm, I'm going to move on. I don't really understand what's going on. Mary, my betrothed, the one that we've kind of been arranged, this has been arranged a little bit, it's not happening the way I foresaw it. So in verse 20, he says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So you imagine, if you've been in any kind of relationship And that relationship is kind of breaking down. It's so stressful. It's so confusing. It's unless there's something outright. You know, we just don't know if we're making the right choice. And so Joseph is just in that valley of decision about Mary. And he resolves to go do this one thing. But yet that seemed like, from the text, it seems like that very night, immediately, soon thereafter, God showed up and let him know This is what I want you to do. And we see that immediately, right when Joseph wakes up, he acts on what he hears the Lord say. He was this great man of character that was connected to the Holy Spirit and was obedient to what he heard. Amazing, amazing. And as the story goes on and Jesus is born, there's some threats to Jesus' life early on. And so the Holy Spirit comes to Joseph again. It says, hey, you need to take your wife and your child and you need to get out of town because there's a guy coming after you. And so they go down to Egypt and then Joseph hears the Lord again. All right, that guy who is after you is now dead. You can come back into the land. It's amazing, this story of Joseph, even though around the last time that we kind of hear of Joseph uh, is when Jesus was kind of found in the temple when he was 12, and he kind of gets lost in the temple, and we see his parents there. But by the time we get to Jesus being 30, starting his ministry, his father's no longer around, which we can kind of assume that in between 12 and 30, uh, Joseph passed away. But we have these overall characteristics that we find not only in Mary and Joseph, but as I was going through this this week, it was like you, it could, the same could be said to every person that we've already highlighted this month. And every significant figure in the line of Jesus, even though they were very different, they have different nationalities, they, have different, they had different personalities, they had very different mistakes, but a lot of them did, massive mistakes. But they all had these unique, same qualities that God used throughout his story, and it is people who have humble, broken and contrite hearts, people that are faithful, people that are loyal, people that are courageous. There's, there's, this, there's this seeming thread in between all these people that God uses is that they're humble, they're courageous, they're faithful, they're loyal, 
and they've been broken. And it's, there's none of these characteristics that we would say that they gets highly valued in our society. I mean, we see a guy that's courageous and we say, yeah, I wish I could do that. But to have the whole package of humility and courageous, usually there's a lot of selfish ambition when it comes to courage. And the person that is wielding or trying to be courageous is not bringing that full package, but who does God look upon to say that is the type of person I'm going to use? And it's usually that type of person. One's that humble. We can clearly see it's this type of person that God uses in significant ways in unfolding his story. So God chose and continues to choose humble, contrite, courageous, faithful, and loyal people to continue to unfold his great story. So the question is, are you that type of person? Are you that type of person? We've been looking at all these wonderful characters that God's used. And a great question to kind of, I feel, think landing this whole thing is, are you that type of person? 2 Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Imagine that promise being fulfilled in your life. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. When you really think about the impact of the Creator of the universe giving you strength, sometimes I think that we equate it to just a self-help book that we've read. Oh man, that's really inspiring. Or or a little meme that we come across, we say, oh man, that's, that's really got it together. But when you think about the creator of the universe, hand selecting, seeing you, and giving you strength, there's nothing that I wouldn't trade for that. How about Isaiah 66? Verse 1, it says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the earth that you, should, that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one on, to whom I, look, I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. A lot of times a cry in our heart is, God, I want you to use me. God, use me. God, I know that there's a plan out there. I know that there's a calling on my life. God, I know that you're there. And I know that you want to do things through me. But God, I'm just asking God for you to do great things through me. That, the, the, the seat or the, the seedbed of that prayer is, the, is, is coming from what God says here. The one to whom I look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word, those are the people that God sees and says, I will use you. I am going to put my spirit in you and do things through you that you would have never imagined. How about Isaiah 57, 15? It says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit 
to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Man, here's God's promise. He says, man, I, I'm sitting on the most high place, but those who sit with me are those that are humble and contrite in spirit. And a lot of times we think that we've got to you know, muster up this state of perfection or muster up like, God, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to try really hard. God, I'm going to give it to you. God, I'm going to... And that's usually when we get stirred up in a moment. But then days pass and weeks pass. And it's like, God, I'm, I'm just, I haven't connected with you. I feel distant. God, I, I want to be used by you, God. I, I, I just... And that desire in us begins to grow and grow of wanting to be used but we're missing the opportunities when we're not connecting to the God that gives us a humble heart, God that gives us a contrite spirit for us to be used. And so as we've looked over these past month of people that God used to unfold a story to show and prepare the way for mankind to be redeemed, we have seen that God uses many, type of, many different types of people who all have very similar characteristics and qualities. And I would say God is on the move in our generation. In this, he's un still unfolding his, his story. Even though we celebrate Jesus' birth annually, it's like, oh man, yeah, the Son of God came. Sweet. What are we doing with the Son of God now? How are we seeing and partnering with the Son of God as he continues to unfold his story even our, in our culture, in our city? And so I just thought I'd ask a few little questions to just check our heart as we kind of go into the holiday season, as we're kind of setting up for 2020. Man, there's going to be so many like 2020 vision, you know, 2020, get, get caught with 2020 vision. So I, we'll probably won't name our series just uh, beginning of the year because of that. But getting ready, getting ready for this next season, because I truly feel like we're in a very unique season within our culture. I think our culture a year from now will be a little different. I mean, we've got a lot of things going on this next year. In our own personal life, in our family, in our culture. But God wants to, in this moment, finally, or maybe in a way that most completely secures your heart in saying, God, I'm all yours. My heart is yours. So let's ask these questions. A little heart check. I always like walking in with the boys to the grocery store. They don't do it that, that very often anymore just because they're older. But when we'd go into the grocery store and you'd have, you'd go over by the pharmacy and you got that little, the heart, the, the, you know, the little thing that you put your arm in and you hit the button and it takes your heart rate. Man, that's what we're going to do. It's like we're in a, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. All right, so some questions. Is your heart seeking its own way? Or has God given you a heart that seeks Him? Okay. Is your heart proud? Or do you have a heart that relies on Him and is strengthened by Him? Is your heart stubborn? Or has he given you a teachable, open heart? Is your heart timid and insecure? 
Or do you have a heart that's secure in Him and boldly expresses who God made you to be? Is your heart fickle and flaky? Or are you faithful and loyal to Him even when things turn against you? A heart seeking our own way, a proud heart, stubborn heart, timid and insecure, fickle and flaky, a heart like that God cannot use. And that is the very reason why we need the Holy Spirit in our life every day to see our heart become a heart that seeks God, a heart that relies on Him, that is strengthened by Him, that is teachable and open to His leadership and kingship and allegiance in our life. A heart that is secure in Him and boldly expresses and in an ever-increasing way boldly expresses who God made you to be free and unfettered. And a heart that He gives that is loyal and faithful to Him and His kingdom. That's the kind of heart that God is looking for. And as we saw His promise that He is Uh, searching to and fro throughout the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is on the move still today. We look at past in the story and we say, oh man, God used those people in mighty different ways. Well, what was the conditions? All they had was a humble and contrite heart to say, yes, God. God, whatever you want to do through my life, it's a yes. It might be doing things that you never imagined yourself doing, But the crazy thing is, when you find yourself doing those very things, it's usually the things that I never imagined, I never dreamed I could have more fun, more fruitfulness in my life than doing the thing that God led me to do. So really this season, I I want to make sure that as we go through this heart check, that we're entering into this season, this next season with God, with a pure and clean heart. There's something so valuable in this world with a pure and clean heart. I love the prayer of David. Brett read this last week, but man, I just felt this just fit so right in, this prayer of David. And as God exposed the depths and reality of his sin and transgression against God, David writes these, this prayer and these words, and it comes from a humble and contrite heart. And it's this beautiful prayer that we find in Psalm 51. We're just going to read it together. Have mercy on me, O Lord, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, For I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back the joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Man, what a prayer from David. Just raw and real. But as you grow, what you find is that as you grow in Christ, the Lord may have early on put His finger on some symptoms in your life. The things that were kind of manifesting, behavior things. Oh, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. I'm serving God. I, I probably should do this because I am serving God. But as we grow up in Him, God's finger on our life goes beyond just the external. And it starts reaching into the very finest, darkest, deepest parts of our life. Because he isn't after about perfect behavior. He's after a heart that's been transformed by Jesus. And it's in these very things, our stubbornness, our pride, our own ambition, our own plan, our own desire to to want to build an X kind of life, whatever that looks like. But it's in this heart of David where he's just broken and he pleads to God, God, take my sin, remove it from me, separate it from me as far as east is from west and deal with me as your son. Man, I love that prayer. So I ask all those kind of heart questions and we read David's prayer here. Why? Because I just felt like God wanted to knock any kind of dust off of your life in any area, in your private life, relationship life, any dust that has accumulated because of just um, not paying attention. And that God wants to come and blow that dust off and refresh those areas of your heart that are not in line with how you've been made, what you've been made to, to live. So be restored once again back to God so that He can take your life and in this next season use you in mighty ways as we come before Him with humble, courageous, loyal hearts to declare with everything in us, you are our King, Jesus. You're our King. You're the one that we are in allegiance to and that God, all you're asking for is our hearts to be open and teachable and you're going to do so many marvelous, mighty, supernatural, testimony level things through our life. But he wants all of our hearts. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would capture all of us. God, not just our imagination and our mind. Lord, not just our emotions and helping us navigate that, but God, I pray that you would capture our heart. God, capture our heart with this grand, great, unfolding story that you've been unfolding since you made us. But God, you're asking for a group, a set of people, those whose hearts that are humble and contrite. God, you're looking for those type of people to move mightily through, to see people experience you, to see people experience your love, your joy, your 
excuse me, your joy, your redemption, God, your forgiveness. God, how you make people whole again. Father, if there's any of us here that we, if we were to ask, God, are we, are we whole today? God, if there's any area in our life that we would say, man, I'm struggling to find that that's whole in me. God, we just put that before you right now. You know what it is, what area in your heart. Just as you're, as you're closing your eyes, imagine you just putting it at the foot of Jesus' cross. To say, God, I've tried to handle this on my own. I've tried to seek my own way on this. I've tried to let my heart lead me, but God, it has led me into this brokenness. God, it has led me into this dysfunction. So God, I hand it over to you to say, God, create in me a clean heart. Father, we recognize that me pursuing that is sin. Me pursuing it in my own way is sin. Me living in stubbornness and slow walking your call on my life is sin. And Father, I pray that we would recognize it for what it is and come out from underneath that power. So Father, we're placing that before you at the foot of your cross to say, take it, destroy it. And Father, put in us a clean heart. Put in us your Holy Spirit that can guide us and lead us. Lord, we thank you for the sending of your son, Jesus. But God, I pray that we would walk in all that he came to provide. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.